This is Being Human, Jack Hubbard, CEO, rapper, poet, inventor of the dream machine. Welcome. Thank you for having me. No, it's, it's good a, to be on the show. It's a pleasure. So I thought we would have to start with where you're located, because uh, for those who don't know, you're, I know you're out in France, but show us a little bit about your current environment and where you're seated, I think. And I'll try and describe it for the people listening on audio. Yeah, I, um, this, is my, this is my office. Um, and um, I'm in the French Alps um, in, a, in a beautiful valley um, known as Dream Valley. Um, and I live uh, in an old 17th century farmhouse. Um, and I'm currently in my office, which is um, a, a tree house, um, which I had to cross across a rope bridge each day to come to work. I'll just show you. Have a look over here. So um, there's there's the there's the farmhouse, um, and um, you might be able to see over there the, the terrace. Yeah. And then from the from the terrace, you can see my rope bridge, and I come across my rope bridge into my treehouse. And here I am in my my treehouse, and there's my it's my little desk. And then behind me, you might be able to make out Dream Valley. Not sure the light works, but out there, you might be able yeah. to see some of the mountains. Yeah. So there's an so incredible I, vista for those listening. It's just an amazing view of the mountains. Yeah. So I spend my time between uh, between being being here, doing stuff like this, and uh, and, and, and kind of desk stuff, and um, and out there biking, hiking, and running, and climbing, and playing, and entertaining, um, hosting various um, events and things, which we'll probably come on to at some point. Yeah, so that's right. And Welcome, so, to, the Welcome to the treehouse. <laughs> thank you. And uh, so I thought we'd, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about Dream Valley and all the things that you do within Dream Valley. Uh, I thought we'd start right at the beginning with the company you founded, which in yeah. some ways enabled you to have the lifestyle that you have today. Um, that's yeah. Propellernet, which you uh, founded 2002, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, 2002, 2003. Yeah. So why don't, why don't, for the sake of the listeners and anybody, aspiring entrepreneurs out there, talk us a little bit through the, the, the founding of Propellernet. Uh, and how you got going? Yeah, um, well, at the time, um, yeah, startups weren't as trendy as they um, as they are now. Um, it happened really because I worked for um, a succession of organisations, and I'd, I'd only last six months or so because I'd, there'd be something I didn't like about it. Um, I wouldn't feel like I'd be able to do things my way. I'd get frustrated, and then I'd end up leaving um, and taking the next opportunity, which uh, which. Um, which ticked the boxes that were missing at my previous opportunity. And then I found other things that weren't right about it and then I'd move on again. And I, it would get better and better and better. But after about six times, I figured um, seeing these organizations and the way that they operated um, and thinking to myself, these, you know, if these, if, these, if these jokers can manage to create businesses and they run it in this way, surely it can't be that difficult. Um, and so decided to start my own company, Propellernet, um, in 2003 with a, with a colleague. I'd had a few other small enterprises um, uh, before, um, but um, this was the first major thing, really. Um, and um, it was really difficult. Um, <laughs> it took years and years and years, and I totally underestimated the challenge. Um, and um, so, uh, yeah, we didn't. Ha we were quite fortunate, I think, looking back, that we um, we didn't. We didn't have any money. Um, we were completely skint. Um, 
So I was working shifts um, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the new idea Propellernet, which is a digital search SEO PPC marketing agency. Um, we were working through the day on that, and then to bring some money. And I was working 6 p.m. till midnight as um, as a as a KP chef in a um, in a uh, cactus canteen, a Tex-Mex, Tex-Mex restaurant where I was uh, chopping onions and wrapping burritos, um, and um, to bring a bit of cash in. Um, so uh, yeah, did that for two did that for two years before the business got to a point where it um, you know it was able to sustain me and I could quit the side job. But they were really fun years, and I loved every minute. And there was a real buzz, and I felt that I was really putting in what was required um, in order to in order to to, to to make it happen. Um, cause you hear these stories that, you know, you've got to work really hard to get your own business off the ground. And I, I was, um, the, the real, the real bonus looking back now is that we didn't have a clue about investment or what investment was. Cause we could have just gone out with our idea and raised some, raised some money from somewhere, but we didn't even know that that was a thing that you could do or that there were people out there that would give you money for your business idea because we were young and, um, we weren't very clued up. Um, but the wonderful thing is now we have a, we have a business where we are complete um, shareholders and owners and 100% independent and we've never had any investors and it gives us that complete freedom to do things our way, which was the, the whole point of, of, of starting Propellinet in the first place, um, was to be able to do things our way. Yeah. So that's a long time doing two jobs effectively. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think it is about you that sort of had you stick that out where I'm guessing a lot of people would have... What kept you going uh, through that? Yeah, I, I, I was, uh, I quite, I wanted to be a chef as well. I had a kind of secret desire to, to, to change, you know, change career from kind of like sales and moving to like, uh, and be a chef. I read that book, uh, Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. And I was really inspired by like, by that. And I love the idea of the camaraderie of working in a kitchen. A couple of my mates like work there. Um, and so it's kind of like a social thing as well. Um, and I loved it. I just, I loved it. It was, it was chopping onions, but you were in a team. There were eight of us in the kitchen and after work, you know, we'd go out for drinks and we'd be out till two, you know, two in the morning because it was part of a chain and there were bars and clubs that were owned by the same chain. So it really, I'd recently moved to Brighton and it gave me access to a whole new social circle. So it wasn't, I don't know, really, it was just how it was. It was just like, I needed money to cover the thing. I believed in the, I believed in the business idea. I needed some money and it was, you know, and it, it was fun. And the other thing, it was just zero responsibility. There was some responsibility. You had to put a plate of food out, but it wasn't, it wasn't stressful. You just had to chop the onions, wrap the burritos. And so you, and it wasn't my business. I just had to show up and do my hours. So there was like, there's something nice about having a zero responsibility job, having had many jobs where there was a lot of responsibility. So I don't know. It was, it was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, I loved it. I was, I was, I didn't have kids back then. Um, I was a lot younger, had a lot more energy. Um, so it was just, I don't know. It was just, yeah, just how it was. I loved it. It's great. Right. And, and that's the, so you were, so you must've taken a big drop then presumably in salary and status to go from salesman, which you were previously to chopping yeah. onions, right? Yeah. 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 Well, the onions paid about five, uh, five pounds an hour. And I was on, um, with bonuses, I was probably on about 50,000 a year. Um, with the uh, with the corporate sales job, um, so yeah, 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 a big drop. I also had a um, I also had an understanding um, girlfriend who was doing quite well. Um, she's now my wife, Linda. So she was uh, we were we were living together at the time, and she was paying she was paying most of the bills as well. So my my money was kind of like my my pocket money, if you like, and she was covering um, some of the bills. So I was fortunate that she believed in the idea as well. Um, yeah, God bless her. Yeah. But I think that, so for me, I think that's kind of an important part of 
the journey for a lot of entrepreneurs, but especially if you've got a really good gig going, it's that ability to say no to the money and the status. And, and I know Jeff Bezos has a similar yeah. story. He was working in a big investment bank and a huge job and went to his one, his boss actually and said, you know, here's my plan for Amazon. And he said, yeah, that looks like a great plan for somebody who doesn't already have a great job. You know, why would you jump right. and, and take the risk? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Right. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And I go on, carry on. Richard. And I was going to say, and uh, any for anybody out there who may be in this position where they're considering dropping the corporate job and and doing something uh, following that, do, do you get this question a lot? You know, do you have advice for people in that position? Um, well, I, I yeah, I for me. Well, there's a lot to this. Like if you're, if you're 25 um, and you, you know, you're just, you're living weekend to weekend, you're just kind of having a bit of a laugh. You don't really have any responsibilities. You don't have any children. You're not, you're not married. You, you know, you don't really, you know, if you don't, earn, you just got to pay the rent. And if you don't earn more money, you can't buy a nice, you know, nice pair of jeans or you don't go on a holiday. It's not, the, it's really not the end of the world. So I think if you're in that part of your life, then it's easier to take risks. I think once you have families, um, and you have responsibilities for, for mortgage payments and, and children. I, I, I haven't, I didn't start this business in that context. So I, I, but I can imagine it's a very, very different kind of situation. That's not to say that you, you shouldn't do it. Um, there are ways. Um, the other thing I, I, I remember thinking at a very, very early uh, stage was that having a salaried job um, didn't feel like it was ever going to take me anywhere because I was only ever as good as um, my last month's work so as long as I showed up each month and uh, and did something and did the work then I would um I get paid some money um but I could do that for 10 years and then as soon as I stopped doing that then I'm not getting an income anymore so in my mind I wasn't really what didn't feel constructive I wasn't creating an asset um it's kind of like renting a re renting a house and buying a house like if you're if you're renting a house the minute you stop paying your rent, you're out of the house. If you're buying a house, once you've got the asset, it's yours, and it will continue. You can live there, you know, rent free if you've paid if you've paid for the house. So, I just, yeah, I didn't really. I had that idea in my mind, and I was like, okay, even if it's going to pay me less for, for for ten years, maybe in twenty years, I'll have created an asset, which will mean I can go snowboarding or skiing or surfing or go on an adventure, and it's still going to provide me an income to kind of like pay for those adventures. Um, whereas if I'm on a salary, I've, what have I got? I've got like four weeks holiday a year. Um, and if I want to take time out, it's, um, it's unpaid. Um, so, uh, I think, I think a lot of people un overestimate the risk involved. Um, if you're starting a new business, if it goes wrong, if it doesn't work out, like you can go back to your job, you know, you can go back to the career that you previously left behind and you'll be, you'll be all the wiser and richer for the experience. If it doesn't work out, you've learned a lot and maybe your second enterprise will work out because you're more experienced. This, this kind of stuff takes, takes time. Um, there isn't really a huge, there isn't a huge, huge risk. As long as you can make the finances work, there isn't, there isn't, there isn't a huge risk, but there is a, there is a huge reward if it is, if it is successful because it provides you with um, freedom in how you want to work, what you want to work on, where you want to take the business and um, who you want to employ, what culture do you want to create? What do you want to build around you? What legacy do you want to build? What freedom do you want to create um, in your life? Um, and, um, and I started that company eight, uh, 15, 15 years ago, propelling that 15 years ago. 
And, um, and in the last two or three years, it's began to pay those kind of dividends where I can decide if I want to go to, to, to heli skiing in Russia or if I want to go, if I want to spend two weeks hiking across the Alps or if I want to go on a surf trip or if I just need to be with the kids more because they're young and growing up. Um, it's given me the freedom to, um, to have that lifestyle. Um, so uh, the, rewards are, the rewards are huge and the risks uh, are overestimated, I think. Um, so more people should, should give it a go, I believe. Right, yeah, that, because a lot of people will see your lifestyle today and and won't see the those years of grind and the and the two jobs and the and the and the and the courage it took to to turn down the the fifty k corporate job to get get going with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. easy. It wasn't easy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I didn't ever think I didn't ever for one minute think that we would end up getting to where we we got to. We just kind of like you just deal with what's in front of you and just keep going and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but that day to day that day to day stuff, those challenges that get thrown at you, and um, having to be super versatile because you're not just in one fixed role with, that requires one set of skills and competencies. You're having to do everything. You're having to do the accounts. You're having to do the legal stuff. You're having to do the sales. You're having to look after the customers. Um, uh, and stuff to do with HR, um, strategy, ideas. You're, you're having to do absolutely everything and get good um, at everything. And, um, and once you get good enough at everything, you get a company to a certain point and then you have to hire people that are better than you at each of those different areas. Um, and so there's always something to figure out, always something to solve, always the next level. And it was like, we always used to think it was like playing a computer game, trying to get to the next level. You just beat the boss, you get to the next level and you level up and you keep going. And although it was hard, it was something really fun fun about progressing um yeah the business over the years um mm. and it wasn't always progressing though sometimes it would fall off a cliff and <laughs> and it would go <laughs> then it would come back and we win some clients and then we'd lose some clients and then we'd have clients ringing us up shouting at us on a saturday and then we'd have staff probably you know, have a staff issue and it was it was kind of you know five steps forward four steps back you know for many many years but it just kind of like yeah I think we were both very clear, Jim and I, that we wanted to build something together. And um, who's Jim? Jim is my co-founder and business partner that I started the company with in 2003. We were uh, friends. I met him at university on day one in halls of residence. Um, we became friends um, at university. And uh, a few years after we left uni, we were both doing different things. And I went to him and said, oh, I'd like to start a business, but I don't want to do it on my own. I want a business partner. Um, fancy it? Um, and <laughs> it was like, yeah, all right then. Um, and he said, what are we going to do? I said, I haven't got a clue. Um, I don't know what we're going to do, but, uh, whatever we do is going to be really successful. Um, because I've seen all these other people running these businesses and if they can do it, we can do it. So we wrote down a list of, um, we started to write down a list of ideas. We had about 10 ideas wrote them down on a spreadsheet and then we said across the top um, of the spreadsheet what are the criteria for the ideas how are we going to rate these ideas and we said well we haven't got any money so we need like fast money we haven't got any money to invest so it has to be like zero investment um we want something that's going to be able to withstand uh, a um a um a downturn, an economic downturn, a recession. Um, and we had four or five other criteria and we scored them each against these criteria. And we started, we had all sorts of random stuff on there. One was like a recruitment agency. One was a sandwich shop. Um, one was like importing like Aboriginal like hair products. Um, one was like an IT reseller. They were really like, yeah, really eclectic mix of ideas. And, um, and one of them was Propellinet, um, which was the idea of an SEO agency because one of our previous, one of my previous jobs was working for, uh, for an SEO agency. So I, I had some experience in that area and I knew it was going to be a growth area. So we started 
three or four of these three or four of these um, businesses simultaneously. Um, we just began the to original hair products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We imported we imported some. We wrote out the business plan. We would like, yeah. We just uh, we felt we got in contact with the people in Australia and we we went through the motions. Um, there was uh, yeah, and we we did all of this stuff. We we acted as if we were starting all of those businesses, and we and, and then some of them just became difficult um and we hit obstacles and then some of them began to progress and and after a month or two um the idea of propelling it just was just taking taking off really um and the others um to the point where it didn't make sense to focus on the others anymore because this one was just really seemed to be where the momentum was um so we um so we just put our time behind that and then that and then that took off um so I often speak to, uh, to to people with with ideas. They say, "I've got, I want to start my own business, and this is my idea." I say, "Why don't you make that one of your ideas on a spreadsheet, and then like score it against like other ideas? Trust, try starting three or four ideas at the same time, and see which one takes off. Um, because you can have ideas in your mind, but it's only when you put them out in the world and see the energy that they attract and the interest that they attract that you can really um, get a proper gauge of whether your ideas um, got legs or not." Um, but that seemed to work. That seemed to work really well, and it took off. It took off pretty pretty quickly for us. It was just really good, um, really good timing, and we got a sense almost immediately that this was the thing that was gonna that was gonna happen for us. Um, yeah, we uh, we um, we did a market analysis by um, we made a short list of uh, ten companies in the SEO sector that we felt were the the, the ten leading companies in the sector, um, and um, we constructed uh, a um, um, uh, an idea, um, a, a business. So we were like a mystery, a mystery shopper client. So we were able to ring these companies up, not as ourselves, but as a mystery shopper client, and say to them, "We've got this uh, business. We've got this budget. Can you help us?" I'm not sure this is entirely like uh, you know legal or like even like appropriate or acceptable, but like we were hustling, and um, <laughs> so we we got the lowdown on these ten these ten different companies. They sent us a proposal over, um, and we just we just kind of like uh, weighed them up, and we said, "That's well, not quite the direction we want to go in. That's not the quite direction we want to go in. Something between here and here. This is how we'd like to position ourselves." Um, and we were able to um, confidently position ourselves in uh, presentations. Um, pitches to new clients understanding what else was in the marketplace and where we wanted to position ourselves so that was really that was really really valuable having like um uh, it's really a, like a competitor analysis is, is is what we did in detail and then we were able to construct our proposition from that book meetings go out and win clients and we did that um i think our third or fourth pitch we uh, we won our first client. The first client they they like called the police and chased us out of the room, saying we were a bunch of jokers with a laptop because uh, we <laughs> we didn't even have an office. Um, we had they, they uh, actually we, called the police. Yeah, 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 yeah. He called the police. Yeah, he thought we were um, he thought we were uh, like con artists or something like that because we didn't have we didn't actually have an office. We didn't have a business. We, this was our first pitch, so like we didn't have any like uh, clients and we didn't have, we didn't have anything, you know, we were just trying to win a client. So in some ways we work on artists, I suppose. And did um, the police show up? No, we legged it. So we, we were, we were out. So, uh, <laughs> we booked a, we booked a meeting in a, um, in a, uh, serviced office cause we didn't have an office. So we booked a meeting room in a serviced office and the guy turned up and he was like two guys in a laptop serviced office. And we, of course we were, you know, we were serious. We were going to do this thing. We were going to deliver, but it, we were we were green because we were. It was the first time we were doing this presentation, and he was 
he was a bit of an arsehole as well, to be honest. And he was just calling us out and stuff and going, who are you? What is this? You, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, this, you just rented this office. You're just a couple of chances with a laptop. And we were like, oh, shit. Like, he's kind of right. <laughs> so we ran away. Um, and uh, we, we regrouped. Uh, and then we came back. And two or three pitches later, we won our, we won our first um, pitch with a company called the Universal Wine Exchange. Um, in Bermondsey, I think, was the office. And we came outside and we high-fived and danced. We are like, yeah, like we're, we're in business. So then we had a budget to go and um, figure out how we were going to deliver the project. And, and we did. And it was great. Um, and, and it went from there, really. Two or three clients later, we, we'd, we'd won a FTSE company, which was legal in general. Um, we won a big contract with them, which really gave us enough money to, um, to move out of Jim's broom cupboard and um, rent a, a proper office space, which was still a bit of a crappy office space, but it was uh, at least we had a space and we were able to hire a couple of employees. And um, and then it felt like a it felt like a company. We had our office, we had an address, we had employees. Um, yeah, so uh, you have to wing it in those early days. Really, you don't. You don't. I even remember like when we sent out our first invoice, we, we were like, what invoice number are we going to call it? We can't call it invoice number one. We've just, <laughs> otherwise, they'll think this is the first ever invoice we've ever raised and they'll ask all kinds of questions. So we, I remember we were like, well, maybe number 451 or 732. <laughs> and I think we settled on 632 or something like that. Um, and we're like, yeah, okay. So yeah, we were kind of like, uh, yeah, in those, like I say, in those days, like startups weren't really like, um, celebrated they weren't like these days startups are like oh yeah startups are quite cool like this is a this is a hot new startup and um and you can go in and you can you can have more credibility as a startup but back then you had to kind of like um prove that you're a little more established and that you had employees and you had an address and you had you know show a bit of substance around the company which you just don't have at the early days so you kind of have to like fabricate the like illusion of the substance while knowing in your heart you're going to deliver a great job for this person and you're going to give them exactly what they need because you have to you have to have that because that's what they're buying so you have to be true to that but uh, yeah you have to um, you have to hustle it and wing it a little bit i think yeah remind me of the, i don't know if it's true but the sarchi and sarchi story when they were setting up they hired a bunch of students to just be on the phone in their office that's a good idea but they're yeah. kind of <laughs> It's a very good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, really, to just win those first clients um, um, to get going. Um, so, yeah, we did stuff like that. And your sales experience must have helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. When I um, when I left university, I wasn't. I did an environmental sciences degree, um, and I explored that as a career avenue, but nothing seemed to open up for me. Um, and then I, I was just applying for anything, and I saw an article for like a, a sales training opportunity, and I went for it. And they were like, there was. Um, I had a first interview, and then they invited me back for a second interview, and then I passed the second interview, and they invited me down for a weekend long assessment in the in the West Country. Um, I said, this is a bit weird. Um, so I went down, packed my bag, went down for the weekend. Um, and, um, I've been selected as one of like 10 people on this assessment weekend. And it was one of five assessment weekends. And it, so there was like, they do the first interview, siphon some people out, do the second interview, siphon some people out, put 10 of us on this weekend course, run five of these weekends. And then they, at the end of the five weekends, they want to select 10 people that are going to go onto the actual course and they on this weekend assessment thing they had me like they had us running around in forests getting up at 5 a.m it's like boot camp they were running running through the forest at 5 a.m with like a log on our shoulder and we had to meet in these it was like an old stately home we had to meet in these musky rooms and it was like dungeon master style challenges that i don't know what they were trying to assess it was really weird 
it's kind of like a cult. Um, anyway, um, I just went through it, did it all. Um, and then um, they rang me up at the end and they said, uh, we really like you, but can you, uh, can you cut your hair and shave off your beard? Because I'd just come back from a season snowboarding in uh, Canada and I had a big bushy beard. And um, I was like, yeah, all right, sure. Um, shaved off, shave off the beard, cut my hair and turned up and they selected me as one of these uh, one of these 10 people. And then I went on to the course and it was a four month course, sales training course, where um, we all lived on site as like a, you know, as like a four month boot camp. Um, they'd uh, get various tra sales trainers and mentors in and they'd train us on all these different methods, tell us which books to read, and then give us like a, um, a company that we were going to work for later on, tell us about their products, get us on the phone selling their products, out in the field selling their products. And if we qualified at the end and graduated from that program, we got a full-time job for the company that we were doing sales for. And we qualified, we got given a car, got a phone and a laptop and a, a 22 grand job um, with bonuses and, um, and benefits. Um, and then and then it was just like the company went under after like, you know, six months. And, and then we, but I had all this amazing sales training. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went and got in the internet stuff after that. So, yeah, yeah, you never know what kind of path is. Yeah, you never know really how you're going to get. I, I could never have plotted this course of how I was going to end up like where I am. Um, so you just always like, what are my options right now? How can I create options and opportunities? And then just assess each one and think actually this seems like the this seems like the right direction to go in. Um, and rather than just sticking that next role for five years because people tell you it's bad for your CV to look like you've moved around. Like if something's not right about it, if something's not right about it for you and you've learned that to actually create some new options and then move on and find something else. And just, you know, because you need to navigate your way through to the place where you're happiest and most comfortable. And you're not going to do that if you stay put, if you stay put in a certain role. Mm. Um, I love that message of of creating options. We had a, another guy, an academic actually, on the on the show in complexity theory, it's called Dave Snowden, and that's one of his big messages: is you know, if you're dealing in a complex world, don't mm. just back one horse. And this is what, of course, venture capitalists do with multiple startups. It's like create options, and then yeah. and then put them out there and get a sense of what's coming back to you. Yeah, and use that as a mechanism to help guide you where to go. And that sounds very consistent with what you're. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely fits with how my early career was and how, how Propellinet got started as well and how Propellinet is today, in fact. Um, Propellinet is a marketing um, agency, um, but um, that's how we started as an SEO agency. But today we have a number of businesses. We have an SEO um, marketing agency, which is voted best place to work in the UK, many, many years running. Um, and we have a, um, we have a software business called coverage book, which was born from the agency, which is now more profitable than the agency. Um, after just four years, even though the agency is 14 years old, we wanted to get into a technology software and a product. So we put a small team onto that. That's going really, really well. There's a second product which we've launched called Answer the Public, which is showing a lot of early promise and could be equally or perhaps more successful. So we diversified into that. And then when the cash flow starts to look positive and we were we were kind of like um, seeing that we had a bit more money in the bank that we need than we needed as a buffer after we paid our taxes, um, that's what can we get a better return from that than we can from, from the bank? And Jim, my co-founder, he'd always dreamed of... Um, running a small property enterprise. Um, so building, renovating, renting, and flipping um, properties. Um, so we now have a property business and we're on our second project there. We, we bought a townhouse in Brighton 
which is where we're based, um, and converted it into four apartments. Um, and we offered propelling that employees first refusal with, um, you know, they could do their spec, not have any gazumping, um, below market price. And we had, um, we had a couple from Pro- propelling that move in to their first home. Um, we're able to create for them, which is really, really lovely. Um, and Jim's kind of doing the thing he'd always dreamed of doing. And we have a, a growing kind of property business, which is kind of fledgling at the moment. But like, as the, as the rest of the business goes and the cash flow becomes positive, then that's going to be another way that we can diversify um, our interest and create, create more options. Um, so I'm excited to see where that, where that might lead um, in future, whether it will remain residential or whether we can do some interesting commercial, commercial property um, deals in the future create some cool spaces around brighton or beyond that would be cool um and um yeah we also have um we also have the red stars um which we might go into um which is a um which is an interesting project which has been going for probably about four years now um and uh, we're effectively a bunch of punks and misfits um who have been sent back from the future to save um to save creativity and to save music because in the future um, all entertainment has to be sponsored. All artists have to be sponsored by the one giant one core corporation. Um, and um, our social profiles are monitored. Uh, we need to have the right social scores to guarantee us lifestyle upgrades and cross-border permits. Um, and the earth is a, a, scorched, um, a scorched place and they're building off-planet new estates on, uh, on some other planets. And... Um, and out there, Jake Sniper, our protagonist, is uh, going about his business recruiting uh, a band of punks and misfits from the uh, the slum bars in the off-planet New Estates to record a genre-spanning, mind-bending album that's going to go on to blow a giant hole in one cause, corporate sanitized image. Um, and we've been living out that story for the last few years in various ways. Uh, we wanted to do festivals, but we realized no festival would book us because we didn't even have a thing. So we created our own festival here in Dream Valley in the Alps. And... Um, and uh, we created a radio show for that festival, um, and uh, we started to seed uh, the one core messages in there. We took on a fake sponsor, um, uh, one core's new uh, uh, energy drink brand, Alpine Milk, which comes in seventeen life-enhancing flavors designed to help you thrillax to the max. Um, <laughs> and uh, I put a post on uh, Facebook, should independent festivals accept corporate sponsorship, which sparked a huge furore of, uh, of opinion pieces coming back and forth. Some people saying, take the money, you need it to get the festival off the ground. Other people saying, no, stay independent. So we had about 100 or so replies <laughs> on there. So, uh, and, um, and we finally announced that we'd taken on, um, we'd taken on uh, OneCore and their Alpine Milk um, as, uh, as our main lead sponsor for the festival. But we weren't too sure you about it because yeah, we'd sold we'd, we'd sold out. So people come out to this festival, and in their in their welcome packs, they got this disgusting like drink, which we'd like mix with like uh, Bailey's and cherry liqueur or something like that, and we put it in their welcome packs as if it was a free sample from Alpine Milk. And all through the week, like uh, there were posters about Alpine Milk around the the festival. And on Thursday, Gordon Romance, the CEO of OneCore, flies out to the festival, who was an actor that we hired wearing a, a blue suit and a ridiculous wig. He started to network with people saying he was the CEO of OneCore and he was here to buy up this crap independent festival um, and convert it into something like truly worthwhile. And at the uh, the closing party, he did a presentation and unveiled his like ghastly image for his beautiful future of um, 
of uh, of um, independent festivals that he was going to buy up, and it was you know, and, and he said, we, and we launched our new product, um, Alpine Milk, here at this festival, and you guys are all the guinea pigs. It's never been drunk before, and there've only been a couple of hospitalizations, and everyone's like, what is this stuff? And there's like a pantomime cow walking around with two of the red stars uh, in the cow. The red stars, there's been like signs through, who are the red stars? Watch out, the red stars are coming. Save the music and Gordon Romance is like saying, report these scum if you see the red stars. Shone like a red star on the side of a mountain one night, like a Batman logo. And um, anyway, just like, who are the red stars? Who are the red stars? And um, as this pantomime cow is going along and these two milkmaids are walking around hand, handing out samples of Alpine milk while he's doing his presentation. And he's got in his presentation like pictures of like inflated cows, others like on steroids. And it's just like horrific like images of like what this drink contained. Um, and, um, and then two red stars jumped out of the pantomime cow, jumped up on the stage grabbed Gordon Romance. At the same time, five other red stars appeared in the forest behind holding red flares up in the sky um, and um, approached approached the, the, the clearing where the party, uh, the party was going on, um, handed out rainbow diffraction glasses to everyone, jumped on stage, put Gordon Romance, the CEO of OneCore, in the back of a Jeep, drove him off, announced that the, 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 the situation had been averted, OneCore had been stopped for now, and Red Stars were here to save, uh, save the music and rescue the independent festival, and let's get back to the party. And then we just put on a, like a closing party show for like three hours under this, in this clearing under these gigantic waterfalls. Um, it was, yeah, and that was our first festival. And since since then, that was our own festival. And then with that video and credibility of doing that, we've since been booked for Glastonbury. And this year we just done Kendall Calling, where we helped to craft the narrative of the whole festival. And we did a Blue Dot Festival as well, where we had a mobile roaming sound system. Um, and we've released, uh, we've we've uh, recorded, and um, we're just in the editing of a, a, a fourteen part um, series um, telling the story um, of Jake Sniper um, against OneCore. Um, which um, should be due for release sometime in the next year, but we're taking our time and finessing it and doing the soundtrack and working out how we want to release it in the way that the Red Stars would do it. So this is not really even a business at this stage. This is just pure creativity, pure fun that came from one of the guys, Mark Slade, um, Mark Slade, it's, this is his idea, by the way, this is his original idea. And when we were, um, on holiday in Chamonix for Propellinet's Christmas party. What we do at Propellinet is we follow people's dreams. So if people have dreams that they want to realize, I support and help them um, realize their dreams. And Mark Slade in Chamonix, was, we were sitting down having a beer and he was telling me when he, um, when he was in a band when he was younger, they had this idea. And this idea in his head has just grown and grown and grown. He collected the characters. He, co he collected the, um, the traits of the different characters. He, co he collected the different storylines, the worlds. He had the whole thing in his mind. And I said, you have to write this down. So he wrote, he wrote 10,000 words, brought it back. We, he invited all his friends and um, artists and musicians to come along. Um, and see if they wanted to jam off the idea. And then the, it was, the movement was kind of born then and it's been growing steadily over the last few years and we've got about 100 red stars now who are part of the cause they're all punks misfits creatives um who bring different skills um you know to the party and we're all doing it purely for fun at this stage um but it would be lovely if um if we found a, a business model within that that could could free up more of mark's and sam's um time um to be able to we currently give them a day a week each to work to dedicate to working on this art project but it would be nice if we could we could justify giving them giving them more I mean, I mean, that just in itself is extraordinary, right? A company that will give a couple of its employees a day a week, paid presumably, to work on yeah. an art project. I mean, 
Yeah. That's not like yeah. your standard corporate responsibility <laughs> where you, you know, you get a, a day cleaning graffiti off, you know, the local, you know, the, the local roadsides, you know, once a year or whatever it might be. It's, that's, that's a serious thing, cool. you know. It, it's pretty cool. It's really cool. You can like when Sam when Sam joined, who's now one of the leaders. He's like the, he's Mark's kind of right hand man on this. When he joined, we would. It was the day. It was a week before we did this festival, and he turned up on day one, and we knew he was a DJ, and we were able to say to him, uh, "Welcome to your um, welcome to your new job. Here's a flight ticket. You're going to warm up for Soul to Soul in the Alps next week um, on uh, by side in Alpine Lake." And he's like, "What?" Um, and then there's uh, more recently when we're doing the festivals, there's some, some some younger people in the team, and a couple of the guys have got kids who are a little bit older, and we're able to say to them, "Do you want to come away on this project with us?" So we just like we just were able to just collect people um, and say, "Come on, let's go and put on this show." And there we are. There's 20 of us, and we're in you know we're in the Lake District, and we're just building this venue in the forest, um, and we're we're building a, assembling a crash satellite, and these people are like. I, can't, I, I thought I was signing up for an internship doing like data crunching and here I am building a, 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 I've been sent back from the future and I'm building a satellite in a forest in the Lake District drinking like Truth Juice, which is our own branded beer. What's going on? This is amazing. <laughs> and it is, and it is amazing. And I love it. And it's like, you know, I, I, I love it too. One of my bucket lists was to do summer festivals. And so you know, for a few of us that was, and to have something that we could take to festivals. And it's just, so, if you know, this is culture, isn't it? This is like, this is, this is when you start to get to like, you know, you can write up your cultural values and stick them on a wall. But when you do stuff like this, this is like, this is living who we are. You know, these, we yeah. are punks and misfits. Yeah. We are, we are an independent movement and we, you know, we're here to, we're here to sort out the corporate, the corporate scum. <laughs> right. And it's one thing to have, yeah, creativity as a value or empowering people as a value, but it's quite yeah. another to take it to the level you've taken it to. And, um, and the other thing you talk about, which is sort of fits with this philosophy, right, is this idea of you're not necessarily going for growth. Um, and you consciously made a decision you didn't want to have a business that you might sell, which is another typical route for a CEO. So just talk a little bit more about the sort of philosophical underpinnings of this yeah. awesome creativity that you seem to enable. Um, yeah, so the, our, our mantra is, um, is make life better. Um, and I'm currently working on um, like a holding a holding umbrella brand for all of these projects, which is which is MLB World. Um, it's, it should be coming out in the next couple of months. So make like MLB make life better. Um, and the purpose of the company we got to a certain size, and we were really asking ourselves the question: Why are we doing this? And we just we're just going to mindlessly like each year set a new target, which is like 30% higher than last year and then chase that. And then the next year chase another target and just keep doing it and just keep doing it and keep doing it. Why, why are we doing this? What is the point? What's the point of this? Like, where does this, where does this lead? And then we plotted that course and we said, well, if we do do that course, we're just going to, we're going to be chasing our life will become chasing numbers across, across spreadsheets. And to what end do we want to exit? Do we just want to grow and get bigger and have more people? Um, will that feel the same? We're about 60 people. We really like that. If we're, if we're 500 people, we know we won't like that. There'll be just loads of headaches that will get escalated to us and people problems. We don't want that. Um, we don't want to exit. Do we want to exit? I don't think we want to exit. We don't want to be bought out and be locked into a three-year earnout or a five-year earnout, locked um, owned by some corporate you know, agency that is just, just wants our numbers from us. Um, they're not going to let us do the Red Stars. They're not going to let us do that kind of stuff. They're going to they're going to kill all of this stuff that is really important to us. So why are we doing this? Well, the Red Stars makes life better. The property thing makes life better. Following our dreams is all about making life better. So like, let's design our company around following our dreams instead of just following the standard thing, which is growth and exit. 
Um, so we decided we'd do, you know, we'd build a company that would make life better. And one of those things is um, we don't want to we don't want to suppress growth, but we want to supp- suppress the number of people working in the organisation so that it doesn't become an administration um, where we don't know each other and we lose that family friendly, cultural, creative kind of energy, which is so important to all of us. Um, so we just we we created a, a number. Um, uh, 60 people and we said we can we can grow we can grow revenue we can sell more stuff we can have more clients we can we can grow in every other way but we can't grow um, in terms of headcounts we've got a lovely space we fit in here nicely we don't want to be crammed in like sardines that would be awful we don't want to move office that would be a pain in the ass we've got a lovely space we like where we are we like this we like how it is so how can we innovate in uh, value growth rather than just kind of volume growth of, of people. And that's, that's, that, um, that's what drove the software decision. Um, that's what drove us to say, okay, well, if we can't just carry on adding more people, if you're on an agency business model where you charge on a day-by-day basis for your time, how can you possibly grow? You can't make people work longer because that means evenings and weekends and that doesn't make life better. You can't just charge more and more for clients because that won't end up making life better for them and at some point they won't accept your price increases. So the only way you can do it is by creating products that you can sell over and over and over again without needing to put someone's time um, to it. Um, And um, having worked in specialist digital media data search, social media, monitoring, marketing area for so many years. We had like a lot of like special insights into how this world worked. Um, and so we decided to, um, we decided to create a product. Um, and we ran a, a small workshop with a guy called John Mark, who's now, he's now joined us full time, become a shareholder. Um, and we prototyped a number of small products. Um, and we went through some sort of early sprint iteration cycles, and we ended up backing one team on one particular product. That went on to evolve into a, into something else uh, over the course of a year. Um, it was too complicated, and it evolved. And we just stripped one. Um, it was a, a it's it was a, a, a kind of platform management tool for PR people to do CRM management, which also had a reporting tool as part of it. Um, but it was too complicated to get people to switch, and well, not, they weren't even switching; they were changing too many behaviours at once. So we decided to create this single-purpose um, tool, which is a reporting tool called Coverage Book. Um, and um, in um, in PR, I don't know if, well, if anyone works in PR and knows anything about PR, your job is to get as much coverage as possible for your clients, or as much quality coverage or relevant coverage with the right messages in for your clients. So if you're a, if you're an in-house PR reporting to your boss, whether you're an agency reporting to your client, each month you have to produce this report which showcases all the coverage that you have generated on behalf of your clients. Um, and the way people were doing that previously was they would literally go to the web page. They would do a screen grab. Uh, they would paste that screen grab onto a PowerPoint document or a Word document. Um, they would then um, they would then try and um, establish some kind of stats as to how many people visit this page by looking at some different tools, and they'd pull those stats in. And so someone would be effectively sitting there manually doing this very boring, uncreative copy and paste job into the early hours, or it might just be a, an intern's job or a junior's job just to do this all the time, create these reports. It's just mind-numbingly boring time-consuming and it doesn't look good it looks crap as well um so uh the, the tool that we created coverage book it just um yeah it just automates all of that 
So it grabs the data, grabs the screen grab, makes it look beautiful um, and presents it and then sends it back to the client. Uh, and you subscribe to this thing for like $50, $50 a month or something like that. And you save like you know, three days work, you know, and you right. can build that and you can build that time back to your clients for hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense. I'll buy that. And we, and, um, and it took off and we have like, we have some, something like, you know, getting on for 2000, um, 2000 subscriber clients to, to that product and although it's not bigger than propellinet in revenue terms um it's it's generating more profit uh than propellinet okay. and now our, our, our um our measure of success is revenue revenue per person um that's that that's the metric that we um that we um that we aspire for because if you just have revenue if you add up the total amount of revenue and then you divide it by the number of people that you've got in the business, it gives you a good indication of the relative resources you have to make life better for each person. So you could have like a hundred million, like, you know, turnover business, but if you've got, you know, a hundred million employees then they've only got like one, you know, $1 each, one pound each or one euro each, depending where you are. But if you've got like a hundred million dollar business and you've got two employees, then the revenue per person is $50 million. So each of those people are going to have, you know, the company is able to make life better for those people. Um, so that's the kind of, that's the kind of philosophy. So with Propellinet, we had a business which had 50 people um, capable of generating um, 5 million um, pounds turnover on, on, on its business model. We wanted to see if we could create um, a business that could turn over 5 million um, um, pounds in turnover with just 10 people and that would be that would be the way that we could potentially increase the revenue per person so that was the that was the business plan we didn't before we even knew what the product was we said um, 5 million uh, within five years um, with uh, no more than 10 people and that was kind of the that was that was the basic that was the basic business plan and then Gary um, Gary's you know the guy that's led on that and made that happen so i can talk about it as if it's like you know really clever but i know nothing about software i know nothing about product development i'm not a developer i know nothing about design um but i would i was just fortunate enough to work with um work with gary and recognize um when was the right time for him to move on from seo consulting and moving into this this product um and kind of put those guys on it and then i just, literally i had nothing to do with it i left them to it and they just absolutely nailed it and that's what's interesting to me is it sounds like you're, you you orientate yourself so these constraints are really useful right so you don't just keep on doing like the same thing but getting bigger but this idea of growing revenue per head but also it's about this idea of focusing on individual people and what the dreams in their hearts are right and using yeah. that as kind of the as a yeah. way to orientate yourself in terms of where you go with the business is, is that right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, it is. It is exactly like that. Um, you know, and I think this is like, um, this is a key point. I think like the, I used to struggle with strategy, like as, as the sort of founder and like um, sort of like CEO, people go, what's the strategy, Jack? What's the strategy? And you can get these books about strategy, which is like do competitor analysis or move laterally into that segment or bring new products to the market you're already solving or take your existing product to a different market. And there are different ways of this whole like, I mean, yeah, this whole course, there's like, there's like, you could like read these books forever about all these kind of different things, but it always felt like a little bit, a little bit random and a little bit cold and a little bit pointless. It was just like, what's the point of doing that? It's like, it's like to go and like earn some more money. If you do that, we might be able to earn a bit more money. We might be able to grow a bit. And it always seemed a little bit cold, a little bit pointless. And when I tried to do those things, it didn't always work out anyway. And so I was just a bit rudderless, you know, I was like, well, where do we, where, how do I lead? Uh, you know, where do I, where do I, what cues should I be taking rather than be taking cues from sort of Harvard, you know, 
Harvard Business Review textbooks about like which direction I could be taking the company. I needed something a bit more real. And, um, and so with the idea of uh, making life better, speaking to employees and being an employee-led business, asking people, we ask them about their dreams. You know, we, we, we ask people, what's your dream? What do, you, what do you want to do in life? Where do you want to take your career? How do you want to develop and grow? How, who do you want to be as a person? What sort of challenges do you need? And all this kind of stuff. We really focus on that. And we take our cues, we take our cues from that. And when something kind of, when, you, when a real passion or um, uh, um, you know, someone that's a capable person that's got some real burning passion to do something, um, we get behind it. We, you know, we invest, we invest, we put some time behind it. We let them get behind it. We give them a bit of time. And often, Often it doesn't go anywhere, you know. Often they're like, oh, that was a bit of fun. Now I'm going to go back to doing my day job. Or it's not really what I thought it was going to be. And then, you know, and then sometimes it does. It just, you know, it really it really takes off and becomes a becomes a whole new thing within Propellinet or outside of Propellinet. We've had, we've had, um, we've had a lot of people that their dream has been to do something that wasn't appropriate to be part of Propellinet and the MLB world. But like, they should still 100% go and do that. And we'll 100% support them in doing that. Um, we've had uh, people leave and start their own businesses who we've supported and we've had we, we had um, uh, Rick started Haps his, uh, his 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 business which he's uh, he's now an independent SEO consultancy starting a health uh, um, an energy boosting um, uh, powder drink uh, product which is all about mental well-being which has like a serotonin enhancer which is useful for depression which is kind of linked to part of his story and we've really been supportive um, of, of Rick in in you know, in, in leaving Propellinet and in supporting him on his his journey, he's a red star. He's you know he's uh, he was representing at the festivals, um, and then um, and then there's Eshe Eshe Brown who she joined us when she was uh, 17 years old. She she was working on the shop floor at Top Shop, um, and she's such a she's a lovely girl. We met, had a coffee. She was just full of so much kind of spark and energy and creativity. We're like, wow, she's she's awesome. So she joined. She learned PPC. She learned PR. She learned all about marketing. She learned how to write. She became a blogger she became a photographer she became a fat we are uh, we invest in a f- uh, photography course we invest in like creativity courses for people and she found some spark of uh, interest there and she she went on a chef's course in thailand and she came back with this photography and food and became a food photography blogger which then led her to become the most um successful food blogger in Brighton she gets invited to all the food launches and restaurant launches she's picked up independent um, work doing PR um, and uh, creative photography work for for food businesses um, and I think now she's tra- like training as a graphic di- designer again so she's just like acquiring acquiring all these creative skills but the journey led her out of uh, propelling it I think when she well when she left we even she said one of her dreams was to tour around Europe in a caravan meeting interesting people that were cooking interesting food and inviting them onto her into her caravan to cook food there and make like a show out of it so we um we uh we gave her the money to buy um to support her in buying the caravan which she's actually got now um she hasn't done the tour yet but and you've done that since she's left yeah 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 see this is this is what's extraordinary jack you know because i can remember being through processes when i had corporate jobs and then you know so those questions that people would ask me like what do you want to be in three years where do you see yourself all of these questions but there's there was a kind of unwritten assumption which was never really explicitly said was and we're assuming that you're going to say it's some role that you can see in this company today, <laughs> right? So either you're going to be senior manager by that point, or you're going to be a director by that point, or yeah. you know maybe you're going to be in this division over here, and we can help you move from this department to that department. But it's very—it wasn't like if you could imagine anything, 
right? It sounds to me like you really throw open that question, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just, if you could imagine, is it, am I right there? Is that what you're asking people? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And with Eshe, like, just to confirm, she did, she did all of that herself. It was, it was, just, we were just inv inviting her to just kind of op open up. So, um, you know, I don't want to take too much credit for any of this because that was the Red Stars is Mark, and you know, coverage book is Gary, and um, and and uh, Foodie Eshe is all Eshe's kind of hard work and commitment. But we, yeah, we, the, the culture of Propellinet is to encourage and nurture by asking those questions, and um, some people totally, you know. Yeah. Yes. The short answer is yes. Uh, some people totally embrace that, um, and um, and other people are like a, a little bit like scared of that question, um, and um, they're like either like, do you know what? I'm just here to do my job, and like you know, that's fine. I, I, I like that this is a company that is interested in that, but like I, you know, let's not get that personal. Like I just want to do my job. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like that, and that's totally fine. Like, I'm not just everyone. happy with the promotion in three. It's years just time. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's right. that, that's like that's totally fine as well. And maybe some people are scared of um, are scared of where it might lead because it's not always. Um, it doesn't necessarily when you're in when you're in propelling that it's a marketing agency our salary is a benchmark against other marketing agencies and there's like there is a career progression to it there's no guarantee that if you go and do this kind of other random thing that the salary is you know or your income is going to be like you know matched to that um and so some people might be you know might might be scared to be having that conversation with their employer because they might think oh, okay that's not i don't know they might feel like, you know vulnerable or exposed in some way which i can totally i can totally understand that as well so all we do is we just try to we just try to celebrate examples we just do it authentically we we mean it um and um and when um and when there are examples of of uh, where we people are following their dreams and where we're supporting them whether it's inside propelling or outside propelling that we talk about it and we celebrate it and we um yeah um and then and then that kind of like yeah, that helps other people oh really okay it's, this is real this is true okay i see i see how this works now and it gives them a way to kind of like uh, to get involved um so um yeah i mean i particularly when you're 60 people as well right you know you want to bring a few new people in so it's kind of healthy to have people moving on as well you don't want people just kind of like being there forever when it's when it's time for people to to move on then it's like you know you don't want to you don't want to block them from moving on you want to support them and um she had been with us for 10 years i think um, and she'd done everything within the company and i think she was genuinely at a point where she needed some new she needed a new thing she needed that new energy and i, I could see it um and um and she could she she knew it as well um but um yeah you could either just let it fester and fester and become a problem or it's like um or or, or you kind of like you know or you embrace it and you kind of like celebrate it and say okay well like Actually, just because I've been here ten years and I'm and I'm uh, I'm feeling like I need a, a new a new challenge, a new thing to get into, like that's a, that shouldn't be a negative, right? That should be like a that should be a positive. She's been amazing for ten years. She's been really really cool. Of course, we're going to support her and you know and, and promote her and, and back her, whatever her next her next thing is. So um, it's not so weird. It's not so weird really um, when you think about it. It kind of it kind of makes sense. You don't want people to feel trapped. Um, and you want people to feel that they should be able to follow their dreams, whether they're in propelling that or, or, or outside of the outside of the group. Um, and that, I, I don't know. I've definitely seen the creativity and the, and the level of creativity from just kind of that kind of culture of dreaming just increase, increase, and the level of um, creativity in our work. We, we started life as a um, um, 
propelling at the agency, began life as a, a, a very technical data-focused company. Um, we then um, became a, a, a public relations communications um, company rooted in technical data. Um, and we've, we've, in recent years, we've overgone a creative kind of revolution off the back of this um, of this dream culture, which is now um, meaning that we're um, we're doing like world class, like you know, creative um, ideas, which are promoted through uh, comms, rooted in data, but they're they're creatively led. Um, and so we wouldn't have been able to go on that journey if we didn't have this kind of like uh, this culture of kind of belief and possibility and and, and, and dreaming. Um, and that's definitely the direction we needed to go in and propelling that now is, um, is, I think it's truly unique as an agency, having like been super rooted in data, insight, um, technology, having like, you know, world-class public relations and world-class creative, which would normally, you'd normally be trying to get three separate agencies and get them working together. But through our culture, we've managed to just kind of knit all of those, um, all of those people together via this culture, which is, is it's, it's the reason Propellinet continues to be successful. Um, it's great being a great place to work, um, but the reason we're successful is because they're bloody good at what they do and they, they, you know, they do amazing work for clients who get fantastic results. Um, but the reason that they are bloody good is because we have a load of amazing people who are inspired to do great work and they get on well together in, in that culture. And how do you think you keep it? Because, I mean, what, what strikes me is you, you sort of unleash the, the, the genie out of the bottle and there's all these ideas and this diversity of ideas, which is extraordinary. It sounds like in, you know, when you just went through the list of all, the, all of the initiatives. So is there a challenge around keeping the sort of the focus on the on the day-to-day -day client work? I mean, do you, is there something you have to manage there or, or does it just work itself? Um, well, there hasn't been. I mean, Nikki Gattenby, who um, is the, the MD, um, she's very much the leader of propelling at the agency. So I, I personally, I don't have, I don't, I don't have a challenge there. She has the challenge there. Um, and, um, but she's very, very good and she manages it really, really well. Um, over the last over the last year, we've had so many of these kind of initiatives happening, and quite a few new people joining, but they haven't been with us on that journey. Um, and there, there's been just a few suggestions of people like, "Well, why are we doing? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? I thought we were this type of company, and why? Why are we doing that?" Um, for example, like Jim, when Jim invested in the house, the reason he invested in that four-bedroom house was in order to generate more profit to bring back into the coffers to increase the pot, uh, which would make people, which would increase revenue per person, increase everyone's bonus. But some, but someone, um, someone said, "Well, hang on a minute. Like Jim's bought a house. Um, Jim's bought a house there. That means my bonus is going to be smaller." And so these things, they, they, you know, people make up their own stories about why. And of course, it's all super positive. It's all aligned to our strategy. But if people don't know what that is, um, then they can make up their own reasons why we might be doing certain things. Um, similarly, why are we investing in the in in the in the Red Stars? Um, we had a difficult time um, this year when we lost um, a big corporate client through the agency, and then and then another one shortly after. Well, the first one we decided we didn't want to work with them. We declined to we declined to repitch because it was making the team that were working on the client really miserable. So we let go. We let our biggest client go, um, and um, we resolved to replace the revenue gap with some more with some more business because um, it was it was we, we were literally having to uh, get counselors and coaches in to, um, to to support our people because they were they were depressed by working on the account it was really bad um, so we weren't going to accept that um, but then the, the the tragedy was one of our other clients who was another corporate client they were it was a big fish was acquired by another big fish um, and um, and they just cancelled all, all contracts so we had like uh, so we lost two clients in succession and we had to um, 
we had to actually we had to make some redundancies otherwise we would have had we would have had um yeah people you know a, a large number of people sitting sitting in a desk twiddling their thumbs for over a year and it wasn't we made the decision that it's not right for them it's not right for us and we've supported them and one's gone on to become a property investor and i've connected her with a few few property investors um uh, one of the other ones we've supported in finding a new job the other one wanted to become a freelancer so actually from their perspective there's you know they've, they've they're, they're they're fine and they've moved on but it still cast a cloud over our culture because um because that sort of thing, you know, is is a bit inconsistent with um, with a company that's all about, you know, happy employees making life better, and um, it shouldn't be the right thing to do. But at the same time, it, it, it is the right thing to do. Um, you know, it's not it's not right having, you know, it's not good for anyone having, you know, we're just going to eat into cash reserves that we've built up over the years, which we want to invest in the right projects. We're just going to kill a load of cash off. People are going to be sitting around with nothing to do, and it's just it's not the right thing to do. Um, even though it's a hard thing to do, it's the right it's the right thing to do. But that was a bit of a knock. That was a little bit of a knock for our culture, um, and I think it made people question why are we doing some of these other things? Why why are we doing? Um, why are we doing the red stars and why are we investing in property? Um, and we, uh, we invest in a beer startup as well. And why are we doing that? Um, we, we're not, we're not doing, we're not doing that anymore. We got it to a point where we decided it wasn't right to continue with that. Um, so it raises these questions. And so we've, um, from the inside and from externally, it looks, it looks like you've got this company called Propeller there that is a marketing agency that has all of these kind of side projects or spin-off kind of businesses. When, um, that's not the that makes the marketing agency look confused when in actual fact marketing agency is is awesome and super good and super focused on what they're doing um the way to think about it is um all of these initiatives sit inside this world is the make life better world and they're independent initiatives that fit within the side of the world rather than this propeller net with these kind of like other initiatives coming out of it um and so we're, we're introducing um we're introducing that um, soon um, as, a, as a concept, um, really just to help people understand why we're doing these things and how it all fits, how it all fits together. Um, yeah, because if you go yeah. in the company thinking you're in a marketing agency, these feel like distractions and side products, projects, it's harder yeah. to reconcile. Yeah, why are we doing this? Why are we doing yeah. that? Why are we doing that? And of course, we, like the people that have been there for a long time, we all know it's like, and it's exactly 100% consistent with who we are and what our strategy is and how we want to develop and grow as, a, as an organization. But if you're new, yeah, it, it could look random or it could look weird. And, to the, and also, um, and to the outside world, we could be celebrating um, um, the, the, the kind of organization we are and communicating ourselves much more effectively to the outside world if... Um, you know, if we just take time to communicate it. And we've had this idea that we needed to introduce this for a few years, but you know when things are going well and um, everyone's happy, things are going well, you don't want to just introduce something random just because someone's had an idea. So we, But now's the right time, so we're going to do it. We're going to do it this autumn. So, yeah, watch this, watch this space right. for that. Yeah. Um, I thought we did just touch briefly back into your your personal story in creating Propellernet um, and something you've been quite open with on, on, on your Medium post and you may have been uh, open with it elsewhere, but that was in 2007. Um, as you were building Pro Propellernet, you had this, this major personal event, the, the death mm. of your, your brother, and you talk about how that affected you and your, your outlook. Are you, you happy to share a little bit about that here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, it was yeah. My, my brother, my brother Luke, my younger brother. I've got two brothers, Adam and Luke. Luke was my younger brother. Um, he passed away. He was age he, he was age twenty nine. Um, he was just almost thirty. Um, 
so we were we were really close um growing up we shared a room and we're, we're, we're really good friends um we grew up in southeast essex near south end um and just in our group of friends there was there's a lot of boozing and then there was there was drugs um and um there was ecstasy and cocaine going around and it was just what everyone was doing and so it was fun we'd go out partying and having an amazing time and it was it was amazing um and then and then 10 years later it wasn't amazing anymore it was like it was a, it was a bad habit and um it wasn't as fun anymore it was getting in the way of life it was getting in the way of work i'd lost my girlfriend um luke couldn't hold down a job i started propelling that but um it wasn't really going anywhere. It was kind of ticking along at that point. Um, and um, I really, we really only needed to scrape through week by week, having enough money to pay the tax and to have some money for, for partying at the weekend. So there was no real motivation or purpose to grow, um, to grow propelling out, to grow, to be anything more than, than providing that lifestyle really. And it was a bit of a trap and I was unhappy and, um, and, um, and anyway, Luke was Luke was struggling more than I was. He was suffering from depression, and um, and he went out to he was out um, in India, um, and he was on a holiday there, and he was on a beach, and um, and he was just he was just getting carried away, and uh, and um, he was with my older brother, and I got a phone call. I think it was a Monday or Tuesday morning while I was having breakfast from from my other brother, saying, "Hi, Jack, how you doing? Hi, Adam, how's the how's the holiday going? How's Luke?" And he was like, "Luke's dead," and then he. Adam kind of like then lost it on the phone, um, broke down, and I was like, well, "What do you mean, like he's dead?" And he he passed away um, on, the, on the beach. Just uh, his heart, he didn't really eat so well, drunk too much, didn't sleep so good, didn't look after himself, and his heart had given out after a particularly excessive night. Um, and I had to fly out there. My parents flew back from a holiday they were having in the states at the time. We met in London, flew out, and uh, we went through the the horrible task of uh, bringing Luke. Luke's body home and finding Adam in an awful state and bringing him, bringing him back as well. Um, and it was just a slap around the face that like, wow, that never happened to me or anyone close to me before. And it, and suddenly it was really close to home. Luke was dead and Adam was kind of like, he was having seizures. Um, and, um, it was like, wow, like, you know, the, 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 the it's like the world had been pulled out from under your feet and you were just going down the rabbit hole and it was just like, Whoa, okay. Like it was such a wake up call really. And so I, I kind of, I'd resolved many, many times before that I was not going to go out. I wasn't going to have that beer. I wasn't going to accept that from that person. And I wasn't going to, you know, be out all night and I was going to get, you know, I knew there was an opportunity in my life, but I just wasn't taking advantage of it. I wasn't grabbing it with both hands. And I said, that was going to stop. Um, and so for, I think losing my brother, Luke gave me the, um, gave me the energy and the um, it, I channeled that 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 the, the the force that kind of hit me. I'd seen a, I'd seen a friend that had lost his brother before, and he he channeled it hit him so hard, but he channeled it destructively, and he just he just went to the pub and started drinking, drinking, and it kind of it, it ruined his life, really ruined his life. And I I thought, well, there's so much. This is going to hit me like a truck. I've just got to channel this in just such a channel this energy in, in a positive way, which is why, which is why I did. And we set up a fundraising year for Luke and turned the conversation around Luke into a positive conversation. We raised a lot of money for a depression charity, which I then got involved with and become a trustee for and helped them to develop an online um, peer-to-peer platform, which was recently acquired by Mind, um, the, the mental health 
platform. Um, so that's a really nice legacy there. Um, and, um, and at work, I resolved to look after myself. And so began taking an interest in nutrition and well-being and yoga and Pilates and, um, and all these, uh, meditation. Um, and well-being became one of our, our core values then, perhaps our, our most core value. Um, and um, and began to care about everyone else at work and interest in their well-being and um, bringing yoga teachers and nutrition lecturers into the into the office and getting everyone else inspired by this stuff and then investing in people to take courses in this kind of stuff and then there began to be such a, a more positive energy around our office which was like well this this is this means something this is going somewhere rather than we're just a bunch of slackers just winging it um, and um, yeah it became. Um, got into mountaineering, mountain climbing, came out, climbed Mont Blanc, climbed the Matterhorn. And I just became really focused and driven on, um, on, um, in my personal life and in the business. And I felt I had my life kind of had purpose and I was, um, I was determined, um, to not, um, you know, to respect Luke's memory by making the best out of my life that I possibly, I possibly could. Um, and I think that was a turning point, certainly for me. And I think, um, I think for propelling that because I was, I was very much leading the agency propelling at the time. And I have, I've been leading the wider thinking around the group and, you know, ever since. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it was a huge turning point, huge turning point for me. 2000, that's 12 years, maybe 12 years ago now we lost mm -hmm. him. So I've got my own family. I've got my own family. I've got my own family now. I've got three young daughters who are four, six and seven. Who are um, who are at school? Is their first day back at school today? Their little their little mountain school in the French Alps. So that's you know Linda, my girlfriend, um, who's now my wife. Um, it was after Lou passed away. So I I, I um, told her to come back for the funeral. She was travelling, and we got back together. And um, and she saw I was a changed person, um, and she 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 came back and wanted to be part of my future. We now have a family, and uh, she's she's out trail running in the mountains. She's uh, training as a, a mountain athlete and a, a mountain guide. Um, and here we are living our dream life um, in Dream Valley, and it's you know, it wouldn't have happened, I don't think, had um, had I not had that 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 experience mm. all those years ago. Yeah, it's very very touching story, and I'm sure people, well, certainly, could people relate to that that fork in the road, right? You, what what do I do mm. with this energy? What do I do with this pain? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so, so powerful. And how often do you, does he, does he continue to be an influence? And is that a, thought, a recurrent thought or, or is it something that spurred you then or how? how? I, I, I don't think it continues to be such. I think I've processed it now and I think it's, I think it's, I think it's in the past now. Um, and um, yeah, so it's not, it's, it's not such a, it's not such a driving force for me now. It's, a, it, it's, it's probably my children, I think now have replaced that. Um, and I'm now, I'm, I'm, I'm much more driven by Certainly now with the young family by by family life and um, that's kind of more 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 my motivation now at this different phase in my life um, by by my personal you know I'm at the age of the midlife crisis right I'm early forties I'm becoming aware of my own my own mortality so I'm learning to surf and I'm I'm out snowboarding and running and like uh, taking care of my health and fitness even more because I want to be able to continue to do these these things for another. 10, 20, 30, 40 years, maybe. Um, and I want to be able to do it with my kids. So um, I'm teaching them how to mountain bike. I'm teaching them how to snowboard. And that's my kind of like uh, my, my um, yeah, in, in the, 
before they came along in the first few years when they were babies, I was very expansive in my networking. I was, I was going to lots of events. I was connecting with lots of people. I was hosting a lot of events here when I first moved here. And as they've grown, I've kind of backed off on that because it was taking my focus too much away from the family. So I'm now trying to find a, a balance where I'm kind of getting behind, putting, putting my energy behind things, but not needing to do the not needing to do the running, you know. For so many years, I was the one at the front leading and driving and banging the drum and getting all the plates in the air and spinning them and come on, come on and doing that kind of entrepreneurial startup thing. I, I don't need to be that person anymore. Um, there's other people that are doing that within the organization. There's other people that want that, that need that. And um, for me personally, I'm finding, um, I've found a, a much better balance where I don't, uh, yeah, I, I've given myself permission. I don't need to be Monday to Friday, nine to five, you know, on the phone, on the computer, processing email, making calls, jiggling things along in order to feel like I'm justifying my kind of like place in the company and in the world, um, which, which is lovely. And, um, and the business is flourishing, you know, at the same, at the same time. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm much more laid, laid back at, at the moment and taking a, you know, my energy is much more chilled. I'm kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm learning to become a mountaineer. I'm spending time with the kids. Um, and I'm hooking up with different people within the company uh, as and when required to, to, to discuss different things. Um, I fly back perhaps once a month, you know, on average, of course, across the course of the year. In ski season, that drops off a cliff and I don't really go, I don't drop off a cliff. My visits back to the UK drop off a cliff. Hopefully I don't drop off a cliff <laughs> or get hit by an avalanche. Um, so um, no, I, I I I would say it's not about me at the moment. It's about it's about, it's about personal life. It's about Linda supporting her in her her mounting uh, mounting guide qualification and her trail running, and um, supporting the kids. Um, and uh, my personal development is about learning French um, and learning mountain safety. Um, I need those two two skills, which I'm I'm working on. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm I'm. Uh, I mean, in the when the kids are a little bit older, and when I'm, I'm kind of like settled in more here, I think then there might be new projects that I might want to, um, you know. But you can't underestimate how much it takes to get a project off the ground to be that, you know, that startup entrepreneur. And I've, I've done it, done it definitely once, and I've supported other people in doing it within our within our group of companies. And it's um, it's something that you can't you can't enter into lightly. So I'm quite happy being the being the hands-off kind of like encouraging, nurturing, you know, guy rather than the kind of, you know, hands-on leading from the front um, guy. So it's, yeah, it's about, it works for the company. It works for me. It's about finding, finding that balance. Um, it's not really your, your, your usual CEO. You probably wouldn't be able to operate in this way if you're a CEO for a corporate company. They probably wouldn't let you. You probably need to be running around having meetings or looking like you're busy. Um, but it definitely, it definitely works. Um, and we're, we're in this for the super long term. One of the uh, one of the the, the the core principles of the MLB group is we're not selling out. We are independent forever, and we're just gonna we're gonna be here. We're gonna we're gonna leave a company here when we pass away, and for our children and next generations. And we want to build something. We're not set, we're not selling. We're taking our time building something that's really really sustainable and cool in the way that we want to do it. So. The key to that is that you make it sustainable, that you enjoy yourself, you make you find balance between um, the things that are important in your life. You give yourself time to do the things that you need to do. Um, and um, you have you have strong relationships with the people that you work with. It doesn't need to be this, you know, Microsoft Office kind of like gridlock, back-to-back -back meetings and action points. And, you know, that's not what defines our relationships. We 
we all have a sense of of the principles and the ethos behind the company because we've all had our part in creating it. So everyone kind of knows. We all know what each other's doing. We all know what's right, um, and we trust each other. So there doesn't need to be these constant check-ins. Um, but we do catch up from time to time and celebrate the good stuff that we're doing. Um, but we're not we're not directing each other. We just trust each other to get on with it. And that was something that struck me when I had a conversation with you previously about, okay, so you're out in the mountains, you're CEO, you know, presumably you're having regular Skype calls, right? I mean, something to run this company. And you're like, no, well, really. I might make a video not message really. or, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, we don't, we don't do, we, we just changed our board meetings because they were just pointless, happening monthly. We'd get together and Nikki would update us on numbers from the agency. Gary would update us on numbers from, from Coverage Book. Um, and um and jim would talk about his latest property thing and i'd say i've got an event coming up in dream valley and we'd all sort of go oh great okay didn't really need to didn't really need to meet did we <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> so we decided to do them quarterly instead and spend longer together and um hang out quarterly instead and go 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 through things um otherwise every month it's just it's just a bit pointless so we have a quarterly catch-up um, between us um and it's just as and when needed like nikki will call me um infrequently but when she does jack i need you to do this for me or jack what's your opinion on this um likewise gary and john they they'll just they just they're trusted they it's their company their shareholders they just got they just get on with it and they you know um we used to be we used to hang out every day and we used to be good mates but we're not we're not working together so we, we we're not going to have that daily contact anymore. And that's absolute, that's absolutely fine. There's going to be periods where we're working on stuff together. There'll be periods where we aren't, but it doesn't need, need to be like regimented catch-ups just as and when it's required, really. Um, if I'm feeling a bit disconnected, I might give someone a call. If they need some support, they might give me a call. If there's some interest, some, something really cool has happened with one a client or there's a particular milestone has been achieved or, you know, that will be shared um, via WhatsApp or via email. And we'll celebrate that. Um, but um, no, I, I, I um, I don't have, I don't have any demands. Um, I don't have any demands on my time, um, really. Um, and uh, it took it took me quite a while to get to get used to that. Um, surely I should have my Monday to Friday nine to five filled with st stuff to do, right? <laughs> well, that's an addiction. Can be an addiction itself, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah. busyness, right? It keeps us motivated yeah. and. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm sure. I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure if I uh, got into my email and I. Um, and I fired off an email, another email, and another email, another email. I would get emails come back, back and back, and then I would perpetuate. I could probably perpetuate, you know, that if I, if. But I don't think it would be helpful for anyone else, um, and it would just it might give me the feeling that I'm more connected. But I don't know when you're when you're a founder, kind of like CEO type character, people give you more like um, credibility than they actually should. They don't realize you're just another human being that's just kind of like trying to get by just the same as they are. And you don't have all the answers to everything. But when you open your mouth, they give you disproportionate kind of like uh, credence to what it is you're saying. So you just learn to keep your mouth shut. Because <laughs> everyone's working on their own stuff. They know exactly what they're doing. They're the experts of their thing. I open my mouth with a stupid, like brainless idea um, just because I'm excited about it. And then suddenly I could like derail something or take something off track. So you know, best I stay out of the way really and let they let let them all do their own let them all do their own thing. Mm. Um so no we 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 um there's a there's a few things there's a few things I'm working on. So a few few fun things which uh, advance the culture. I'm working on a a little mini book for the employees to explain all this kind of philosophies that I'm talking I'm talking to you about and um I'm working on something else for next year which is gonna be fun which I don't want to share now because I'll spoil the surprise for for any propelling that people that might be uh watching. 
Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I mean, I live, I live in the mountains. It was always my dream to live in the mountains. Um, I've got, I, I've got a, an amazing company with employees that are really happy, clients that are really happy, um, and the, you know, the outlook is, the outlook is fantastic, and I'm, I'm able to do it. Um, yeah, where I'm not compromising, you know, my my passions or my family. Um, well, what so, I think well, you, you've set up a culture now, which is almost uh, uh, impacting on you in the sense that you you can't do anything but live out your dreams now. I mean, how can you be the yeah. CEO <laughs> of, the, of the, the dream culture, yeah, and not live your dream? Right? It's it's fascinating yeah. to me that you're no, exactly. Dream. Yeah, I yeah, know it's, it's 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 true. Yeah, yeah. If I start to if I start to try and behave like a conventional CEO, everyone would be like, "What are you doing?" Like that's that's like it would jar. What's with the suit, Jack? Yeah, you what's, know? What are you, what's that what's all with, about? What's, what's with the calendar? <laughs> calendar. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, it's interesting. I remember when I remember when we made the move here. It was like a big deal. It was a big deal for me because I've been in Brighton for twelve years. And um, we, my wife and I discussed it, and it was a huge leap of faith. It was like, I don't know how people are going to react to it. I don't know how they're going to, you know, they're going to say, you can't do that. The business is based here. And um, I was, I had my inner self saying, you can't do that. But I had my other inner self saying, no, you should, you should follow your dream. What's the point in working your butt off for 12 years to get it to this point if you can't follow your dream? And actually, if you're asking everyone to follow their dream, then you should be, follow, you should be leading by example. And actually, if you can make this work, um, then it's an amazing example. If you can, you know, if you can explain that you can spend your, you know, you, you don't squeeze an hour of like gym time and at lunchtime, you can actually spend like a day a week running to the top of a mountain, half a day a week riding a mountain bike, you know, go trail running, you know, shop for healthy food, pick up the kids from school, drop the kids off at school, catch up, you know, do it, everything on your own terms in that way, then it would be what an amazing example that that can work. And it is not only is it working, like the, you know, the, the, the company is going infinitely better since I moved here than it was when I was when I was in the UK, and um, yeah, maybe it's because I'm not there. Maybe it's because I'm out of the way. <laughs> I'm not chipping in with my ridiculous ideas. <laughs> well, that's what's fascinating about the PropellerNet story and, and the, the the broader, you know, um, make life better dream or group or what it's going to become is that a lot of cynics are out there. But yeah, but okay, it's great they've got this culture, but surely they must be sacrificing something, you know? Okay, but then when the the numbers are presented and actually it's financially doing very well and, it, and, it, and it's yeah. growing its revenues and it's a well-run business and and all of yes, that numbers are amazing yeah the two are can you know that that's gonna that's gonna fry a few brains out there right it, it appears that yeah. no no you, you can have it all right you you can yeah. have this type of culture and you can be successful yeah. in the conventional to in non-conventional terms yeah well there's there's so much um there's so much energy that gets wasted in like corporate environments that could be channeled more positively. That's that's an incredible inefficiency, hmm. um, and there's so much clunky, undue process, you know, through reporting lines and kind of management structures and all that kind of stuff that just eats up eats up time. And there's such a lack of trust that there has to be so many check-ins that it eats up more and more time, and it kills spirit, and it kills energy, and it kills creativity. That those corporate environments are really battling battling against it when you have a company where people are just trusted to get on with their own job people are encouraged to follow their dreams and they're free to be who they want to be um then you 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 bring all this energy and you remove all the inefficiency and you find you have an abundant amount of like um yeah we don't need to we don't need to um 
a lot of people that work at Propellinet have come from other agencies and they say, well, it's normal that everyone would be billed out like 100%, even 120% of their, of their time. Um, and we don't do that. We bill out 70%, 80% of people's time to clients. So they still have this 20% buffer of, of their time. And that's, that makes life better um, for people. But it's totally possible. And our numbers, we, we, I, mean, I would say, um, I can't give you a, a straight up comparison set of numbers now, but the, the, um, the, the agency is performing like incredibly well, you know, consist, consistently outperforming like agency, like, um, you know, agency expected margins. The, 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 the technology product, it's like, it's ridiculous. If you compared it's like, you know, progress to like other sort of Silicon Valley kind of startup of its type, it's like, it's absolutely smashing it, but doing it in a culture where, I mean, the, the coverage book guys, um, they, um, I was having a chat with Gary and he was like, um, we're about to launch this new product. We're really busy. We're busier than we've ever been. Um, I'm really, really, you know, the numbers are great. Um, the clients are loving it, but we're about to launch this product. I'm really, really worried about the culture. He said, can I just, um, I said, what are you going to do about it? He said, I want to introduce a four day week. Um, so, <laughs> so I was like, that's a, that's a, that's a fantastic idea. Um, and so he, uh, he, he went in on, he went in the following week and he, he told the, the team that he works with, um, we're going to work a four day week from now on. Um, and um, I can't remember whether they work the same day or, dif or, or different days. Um, but um, yeah, they were, obviously they were working a five day week. Now they're working a four day week. And it, he said that one of the reasons was to send people a message that the reason that we're doing this isn't just to get more and more money. It isn't just to, to get busier and busier. It is to create freedom and options in our lives. That's the reason that we're doing this, okay? So have a day. Do what you want with that day. Go mountain biking, work on a side project, spend time with family, whatever you want to do, because that is the reason. If we can't, if we can't give ourselves that reward after we've created a company that's this successful, then, there's, you know, then what's the point? So that was a great expression. And they were, some people said, I don't want to, I really love, I really love working a five day week or I'm too new. I don't think I've earned it. But the majority of people were over, over, over the moon, over the moon with that. Um, I can't remember how we got onto that. Um, but, um, but I'm really chuffed with that. And it would be, it would be wonderful if we found more ways of introducing more technology and product based sales to propelling it. Cause we've got so much knowledge. If we could value price, some of that knowledge or create products that we could sell to, to our clients that, um, more people within the agency could experience, um, experience that kind of thing as well. Um, that's right, one of the things it, yeah, achieve. although I have heard of services firms who've moved to four day weeks. I mean, you see yeah. that occasionally in the press where, um, yeah, that that does. Well, that would be great. That would be awesome. Um, so it's. Uh, I think. I think it just feels like the, the zeitgeist right now in terms of businesses is that things that seem counterintuitive based on the old mindset are, are actually successful strategies. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's something's something's bubbling, isn't it? Something's uh, yeah, definitely. It, it, and I think it's got something to do with the fact that we, you know, we're moving into this create, creative realm where actually energy matters. And this is something I, I took from you, you know, because I've been out to, to a couple of your product, projects in Dream Valley. And one of the things I took away from you is this idea of managing energy, not time. And that's kind of lived as a mantra in my mind, which I, you know, I'm thankful to you for. And yeah, there's, this yeah. seems consistent with that idea, a lot of what you're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. Well... I mean, it was definitely about managing time, wasn't it? When I started, it was like, here's your, you know, can I get an hour? Can I get an hour? And your days were just blocked out in hours. Meetings lasted an hour. Like projects were blocked out in days and hours. You priced in days. And you would literally be selling blocks of our, blocks of our own time. But we all know that when we, you know, 
when we really, when our energy is right and we're inspired and we're motivated, we can sit down and we can write, you know, 10,000 words in a, you know, in, in two days. Um, whereas we, it, you know, it might take us months and months and months to write that if our energy wasn't right. So time isn't really, um, time isn't really the right measure of our creative output, is it? Or, the, or our value, or our value creation energy is, is, is much more. Um, but business just needs to catch up in that because, um, because we're, we're, we're historically caught up in Microsoft Outlook and timesheets and, um, and, and day rates and all this kind of stuff. So that's, um, you know, we're in the process as a business world of kind of unpicking all that kind of stuff at the moment. Um, the other big thing that I think is, um, is worth mentioning is that it's just a different world now, right? Like um, when I started out in business, it was like, it was, the option was, you can go away traveling to India or Thailand and just be a bum on the beach and just get high. Or you can go and get yourself a proper job and work hard and try and make something of yourself. And that was like, it was binary. That was like, those are your choices. Um, these days it's like, no, actually you can travel around the world as part of like a, a digital nomad, like roaming, you know, team of people that are working on a project. Or there's a, there's a boat that's sailing around the Mediterranean where you can, you can hang out on there with a bunch of other creative property people working on different projects together, or you can, or, or you can, or you can work, uh, you know, you can work a, a, a two day working week and spend your other time doing this kind of stuff. And, and people are like the lifestyle options and, and, um, and social media, people sharing the different things that they're doing and the, you know, different places that you can visit and the explosion in travel and cheap flights and all that kind of stuff. It's like people have got options these days. They've got like a finite amount of life to live. Um, and they're not going to choose to spend that time working in like, crappy cultures in corporate organizations where they're like oh god this is depressing i've got a million other things that i can be doing i can see them all on my facebook stream and that looks way better than what i'm doing so i'm so i'm off um so i think companies that want to kind of attract and retain employees and get the best out of them have to think about things differently they're not like cogs in a machine you're not going to stick them on the crank and turn them around and like you know not hours of time out of them you've got to actually embrace them as as full people don't reduce their output to like five points on a on a job description and you know evaluate them you know against those five points in their appraisal these are like human beings with like you know superpowers that they're not even aware of themselves you got to coax all this kind of like value out of people and see them as um creating value in multiple ways rather than this kind of here's your appraisal let's here's your four criteria let's score you against that and then that would dictate whether you get a pay rise or how valuable you are in this world as a human being it's just like but that's how that's how it's mostly done still so um i think there's a huge but there's there's huge amounts of change i mean when we started operating in this way um you know approaching well-being as a core value and um 10 years ago when we began to win awards for being a company that actually cared about the well-being of its employees people were like you actually care about the well-being of your employees this is like this is groundbreaking and i used to get calls and do interviews about this is a company that cares about the well-being of its employees now now it's generally accepted that like you know you should care about the well-being of your employees if you want to get the best out of them um but there's more and more examples of this kind of stuff and it's there's a groundswell that's kind of growing and it's motivating to be a, to be a part of it. Um, it's motiv It's great that kind of like we've played our part in it, and I'm proud that I've kind of played my role in that as well. But it's just a, it's just the, the beginning, really. And I definitely can see like the kind of work that you're doing, the kind of human based, you know, mm. approach. Definitely, I come across this more and more and, and more that there's like a there's a movement of this, and um, corporate organisations initially were kind of adding it into the HR department, saying, "Can you have a look at this? Because this is like you know." 
this seems to be a trendy thing we should probably be looking at and um and it's um and then kind of like hr you know progressive hr directors are getting frustrated because they're then going back to ceos and saying this needs to come from the top this is more than just a, a presentation um and then the the more progressive kind of leaders are, are actually you know proving that this is uh this is um this is a way to go so we can have we can have success we can have profit but in a way that doesn't compromise you know people or happiness um in a way that is you know profit um you know enhancing people's lives um and um you know for for good um so uh yeah it's it's uh I mean, so it's about time, isn't it, really? I think we'll definitely look back. Um, you know, as we look back now and we look at Victorian times when people were sent to the workhouse, we're like, oh, my God, do you remember when that, you know, how how, how archaic? I think in, in, in just like 20 years' time, people will look back at, like, offices and be like, do you remember when everyone had to go to an office between, like, 9 to 5 on Monday to Friday and you had to sit there and you had to clock in and you had to clock out and maybe your toilet breaks were monitored? And um, do you remember, like, wow, wow. And we'll look back at this kind of era now that we're just hopefully leaving behind as being like you know some kind of like battery farm business world where people were just kind of in like you know little little battery farm office pods stacked miles high in cities and uh, <laughs> and that'll be like that'll be a portrait of the past which we'll reflect on in the future um where everyone is more free and we're, we're roaming and we have wi-fi and we're free range and we're free to go and be where we want and create the value that we need to create because we trusted to do so as individuals and it'll be much more fluid so uh yeah um i'm rambling now anyway but no but i love that and i think what's interesting to me is that the role of the ceo i mean it, you're right it does get overplayed and i think there's a sort of human bias in us that wants to ascribe right uh things that happen in the world to some to hero figures right i, I do think yeah. that's, that's in us isn't it but i i also think that where we have organized into discrete organizations and there is somebody who's given the title of ceo if that person isn't modeling the behavior or doesn't seem to be manifesting the expression of what the culture is supposed to be, people, people will behave differently and they will take cues from that. So I think it is important that you're leading the, the life that you're leading and uh, in terms of sustaining the culture for, for your organization, that, that seems like that would be right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I feel, I, yeah, I feel, I believe so too. I believe so. And I've thought long and hard about what, what is it, what else should I be doing? What else, you know, mm. what is my role? What should I be doing? And it's obviously because I'm doing something completely different and, um, you know, and I have much more freedom. I'm like, is this, am I, is this just a blag? You know, am I really lucky or is this like, and I, I keep coming back to know this is what, I, this is what I should be doing. Um, so, um, so no, thanks for, thanks for acknowledging that. And I, you know, I, I, I do agree. Um, I don't, there's definitely, there's definitely like, um, there's definitely downsides to it. I mean, it might, it might look, it might look amazing that I'm doing all this stuff and, and it, don't get me wrong. It is, you know, but uh, mm. I do, I do, I do miss, the, I do miss the connection. I do miss the, I do miss that, that kind of buzz. Um, and, um, I think at some point in the future when, um, when there is a bit more space in my life and the kids are a little bit, the kids are a little bit older. Um, and, um, I do, I do look forward to working more in, uh, as, as a part of a, as a part of a product type team 
um, again, because I do, I do miss that buzz. Part of the reason I create these events out here in Dream Valley is to surround myself with like-minded people, so I can get some of that, some of that back. Because I, I live in rural, I live in rural France. Um, I've got a lot of good friends locally, but it's not, it's not an entrepreneurial community. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful valley where there's farming and where there's a bit of tourism and some skiing and some hiking and that kind of stuff. But you, you know, you don't, um, you don't have that same buzz and that same energy which was a little bit exhausting for me towards the end, but I do also miss a little bit of it. So um, a few times a year, I like to create events out here. We do the ski the ski trip, which you know about Richard. The conscious um, business, which I've been on a couple of times and can highly recommend. Yeah, very conscious good. Conscious business in the snow, yeah. Conscious business in the snow. So each January, uh, three or four days in January, we, we rent a lovely big farmhouse chalet. And um, yeah, I just get to hang out with like conscious people that you know have these kind of ideas that want to share these kind of ideas and this kind of energy around business. We get to hang out in the chalet, around the fire, hang out on the chairlift and on the slopes, you know, talking, catching up. And we have about um, eighteen people that are working in lots of interesting areas to hang out. So I, I love that. Um, and we do altitude as well in collaboration with the, the happy uh, the happy startup school, Lawrence and Carlos. Um, and we bring uh, 25 entrepreneurs from all over the world for an adventure week in the summer as well. I'd like to do more of that stuff when I when I when I have the time. But um, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. I'm I'm happy. With, I think I have the right balance for now. Well, and you're you're putting well-being first, yeah, be in relation yeah. to your kids, which uh, which, yeah. which is again is consistent. And, and what you're saying does chime with some research I saw. We had somebody who's an expert in remote working, and she was sharing some research how there is actually an optimal. Right. Um, too right. little remote working can be a problem. Too much can also be a problem. Right? There's a sweet spot of physical contact with people. Yeah. The productivity. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes that makes sense. I feel like I'm lacking a little bit in the in the physical contact at this stage. Um, but um, yeah, it's fine. I won't I won't I won't groan about it any longer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great. Um, so we, you've talked about the, the thing you can't talk about for next year for um, Make Life Better Group. Um, anything else in terms of current plans, current focus? Um, I'd like to. I'd like to. Um, I'd like to see how we can take take the Red Stars forward. Um, so I'm going to be spending some time with um, with those guys. They're coming out in a few weeks, and we're going to be discussing kind of ideas, business models, opportunities, and um, so many opportunities. Which do we focus on? Where do we spend our time? So I'd I, I'd like to see. Um, yeah, well, let's see where that goes. Looking forward to launching our series and um, doing some more events um, with the Red Stars. Um, Your series? Sorry, uh, what's that? Your uh, there's an online, a uh, 14-part online uh, series of episodes. They're five-minute episodes, and there are 14 of them telling the the story of Jake Sniper on his mission against Gordon Romance, evil CEO of OneCore. So look out for that. Um, so looking forward to launching that at some point this year um, as well. Um, so uh, yeah, we're we're fifth we're 15 um, um, this year. Um, so we're going to do something fun next year um, with the team. Um, looking forward to I think I've covered it all I mean yeah I mean between between the property the red stars propellernet you know um, dream valley projects um, the family the kids snowboarding mountain biking yeah there's there's enough for now there's enough okay I'm, I'm getting good I'm getting I'm, I'm getting I'm finally getting good at saying no to like new things um, and not overfilling my life with stuff I'm, I'm finding my, my 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 wisdom in my early forties finding finding balance in my life is um, I think balance is a 
is a, is a, is a good word, rhythm and balance. Balance and, and not filling your filling up your time. I mean, one thing that reminds me in terms of your story is, the, so the guy, um, Frederick Leloux, who wrote Reinventing Organizations, yeah, he, he <clears> interviewed <throat> a bunch of people running, um, I suppose, what, what we could say, uh, cutting companies with with alternative cultures let's say and he interviewed yeah. one of the guys and wanted to request an interview with a guy who runs Bertog, which is a nursing group in holland which mm. is also a very high trust culture with individuals teams of nursing teams in different regions effectively running themselves and just pulling yeah. from a corporate center when they need it anyway so very interesting culture he tried to get an interview with the ceo and uh, emails him and you know when the ceo says yeah sure you can interview me asks him you know when does this CEO have time available and the CEO says you know basically pick your pick your time I'm free for the next three months or whatever it was you know, <laughs> how many CEOs could say that I mean that's that's yeah. that's the night and day difference actually yeah. between between what we might consider a traditional culture where you know the CEO yeah. might have half an hour in you know three months from now versus versus the guy with the open door and it sounds like you're in a similar place. It's absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well it's if, like, uh, yeah. It's like something's poking through, isn't it, in terms of consciousness, in terms of what's possible. And when you look at it, it seems so extraordinary, but you're right. Maybe in I don't know, ten years, fifty years we'll look back and and wonder, yeah. well, how is it any different? Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting that point as well about time and energy. And um because I don't have I don't have um I don't have my diary full. I don't have a bunch of appointments. And you could almost pick your time as long as it's not going to be good snow conditions at that point in time. We could actually, you know, pick pick a time and we'll do it. Um I do have that same like that, that same freedom. It, it it does it definitely allows um it definitely allows like spontaneity to happen. So it now it gives you time to read read things to like, oh, I need to call that person. So it gives you time to just kind of like uh, do what you feel you need to do in that given day rather than kind of being led by uh, by something you scheduled three weeks ago, which may not, no longer feel relevant to today. So there's definitely that. And then there's also something about like, um, there's also something about your energy. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of carrying a lot of things like in, in, in here, but in here and, you know, you feel it in your stomach, uh, propeller nets in here and coverage books in here. And, um, the red stars is in here and the property thing is here. Jim's there. Nick is there. Gary's there. Um, Mark and Sam are all in there. And I've, I've, you know, so even, even if, um, there's a certain, like, there's a certain like joy, but there's also a certain weight to like, to, to, to carrying, to carrying those things. Um, and um, I might have actually um, diary-wise like more time available to do more things, but perhaps I don't have uh, more um, physical, emotional, spiritual capacity to carry um, um, any more um, than that. Don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting thought, but it definitely feels like there's a. There's like a, there's like a, a, you know, maybe that's being a founder thing. Maybe that's, you know, because it's kind of, I feel like it's my baby because I founded it. I started it. I, I, I recruited all those people and I'm like, and I love, you know, it's like watching your children kind of grow. I love it. I feel like a sense of connection to it all. Um, and maybe, um, maybe there's a limit to the amount of like, you know, I've got that and I've got my family and I'm, I'm, I'm full. I don't have any, you know, I have time, but I don't have any more room in here. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. Um, anyway, there yeah. you go. Little little philosophical ramble for you there. No, it's, it's great. It's <laughs> Good. Okay. Fi final question before I let you get back to to the Alps and is uh, 
I ask a lot of my guests this, you know, for you, Jack, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? Um, it means, it means, um, oh, it's, it's a hell of a ride, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, um, it's just like a, it's just a rolling, evolving, bumbling, messy, convoluted, like wonderful, crazy, you know, mind, body, spirit, mashup, searching, learning, asking questions, you know, scolding yourself, patting yourself on the back, trying to figure stuff out, getting some rest, chilling out, next thing, this thing, learning this, learning that. It's just like an endless kaleidoscope of kind of like, you know, emotions and experiences really that just kind of just 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 un, unrolls in some kind of like you know beautiful chaotic manner um can't be more coherent than that i'm afraid <laughs> brilliant perfect answer thank you so again thank you so much for your time we'll put a bunch of li links to all of your projects uh, there are m multiple there so i perhaps won't go through them all but certainly propellernet um coverage book uh red stars red stars uh the new digital project um yeah answer the public answer the public exactly um we'll, we'll put all that uh in the in the links below and once again Great. thank you for your time and i'll enjoy you to leave it's you a to pleasure the out thank you thanks richard bye-bye bye-bye the being human podcast was brought to you by first human for more on first humans human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.